Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Aftersight. I'm your host, Penn Street. Forgive my voice today if it's a little raspy. I'm hoping I'm at the tail end of this crud that's going around. I am thankful that it is, it is not COVID. I know this bit has been a super hard year for so many dealing with all the illnesses that are going on, especially with our little, our little guys out there. So my thoughts and prayers are with you all. This includes um, today's guest because we have had to reschedule this um, this interview several times because as well as myself, she has also been sick. So today we are actually both well enough to make this happen. Today's guest is Gina Harper. Gina was one of the top earners as a financial officer for Stanley Morgan for several years. Also, like many of us, Gina's, her vision loss and her journey with her vision loss has really been a roller coaster. And, you know, she's had so many ups and downs and she always comes out smiling and and you're going to get that from this interview. So keep, you know, Keep your seats and hold on because you're going to enjoy the ride. You're listening to Aftersight with Penn Street, an AINC original podcast. If you enjoy what you hear, please visit AINcolorado.org for more shows, news, and articles read by our amazing staff and volunteers. If you have a question for Penn or would like to recommend a guest for future shows, please visit AINcolorado.org slash podcast dash guest. And now here's your host, Penn Street. Gina, welcome to Aftersight. Thanks, Penn. I'm so excited to be here and to have a conversation with you. I know we're both well or getting well and healthy, so it's great. It's great. Well, Gina, I know you're familiar with Aftersight, so you know that at the top of the show, I like to ask a few questions so that the audience can get to know you a little bit better before we dive in. Is that okay? Yeah. (laughs) You didn't sound too. Yeah, this is not my favorite, but I'm going to play along to be a good sport. Thank you. You're always a good sport, Gina. So, so during the holidays, do you prefer colored lights or white lights? Definitely colored. Colored? Oh, okay. Okay. That's great. Um, I like colored because they're more contrasty because the white kind of all just blurs together for me. Uh, So, so do you prefer exercising in a gym or outside? I, I prefer both. I love working out at the gym with a personal trainer and I truly love outdoor sports like skiing and hiking. Mm. So both. It depends on the day and time permitting. Okay. Okay. I, I'm somebody that really doesn't like going to the gym. Um, I like being outside, you know, being outside as much as I can. And um, I've never been good about working with a trainer. I think I'm not focused enough. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I love working out with a trainer. I don't like just going to the gym and managing the whole blind thing at a gym. But with a trainer, I really enjoy it. Maybe you'll inspire me at the beginning of the year. Maybe I'll try that. Are you a planner or would you prefer a surprise? Oh, I'm definitely a planner, but I'm also super spontaneous. Uh, But I I include that in my planning skills. I, I definitely plan. 
Oh, okay. Okay. Well, I feel like you have to in your career. So, um, yeah, exactly. And just all the things in my activities. And I, and I love surprises too. And I like giving surprises to other people. Oh, but yeah, I prefer planning. That's neat. That's neat. Um, so Gina, are, do you prefer to hang out with girlfriends or guy friends? Oh, definitely girlfriends. Oh, great. Yeah. Me too. Me too. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's just so much more fun. And I don't know, it feels free and frolicky. Yeah, I do have friends that are girls that they actually prefer hanging out with guy friends, which is I, I think it's because I grew up with seven older brothers. So, <laughs> so oh, yeah, you probably had enough guys. I did. I did. I did. Okay, now, Gina, I know you're ready for this one. If you had a theme song, <laughs> what would it be? <laughs> it would be Unstoppable by Sia. And I never really sorted out all the words, so I'm not really sure what the whole meaning is. But I think it's a real peppy song, and I like the, the chorus, and I feel pretty unstoppable yeah and so I that would I would pick I I I definitely agree with that you um your life Gina has been just I mean you've you've come up against so many barriers in your life but you just burst through them like you know Wonder Woman which I can't wait for you to share <laughs> yeah. with the audience and and Gina definitely thank you for you know taking your time today I know how extremely busy you are so um well, Gina, I know that your vision loss, you know, has truly been a roller coaster and, and actually continues to be so um, with your adjusting to, you know, different barriers that are coming up. And I know as a child, you were born with some vision, correct? And then there was an incident yeah. where you. Yeah. So can you tell us a little bit about that experience and what that led to? Oh, sure. I was born with congenital glaucoma and I could see out of both my eyes uh, a little bit and I was very fortunate this for some random reason one of the most famous glaucoma surgeons was at the hospital and he noticed that there was something wrong with my eyes and so I had my first eye surgery three days old oh, wow. just to try to manage the glaucoma and then sadly when I was three I was playing with my brother and ran into a faucet that poked my left eye out. So then I was dealing with my right eye that had poor vision. Mostly I felt like I could see too good to be blind, but I couldn't see well enough to see actually. And yeah. I remember in kindergarten, I was pretty high functioning. I don't know about high vision, but I could read the, um, not read the chalkboard, but read the books because in kindergarten, the books you know are larger print. And I just carried on just being myself with very few blindness services. And I didn't know very many blind people. And then it really kept getting worse slowly, though, super slowly. And, you know, kids were mean to me and I wore glasses and they said all the mean things get say to people that wear glasses, yeah. sadly. And then in high school, I... My eyes kind of took a bigger turn. Like, I think like your same experience at certain times, if we have a bigger decline and I decided to get out of high school a year early to go to college. And I absolutely hated being blind. Like I didn't want to mm -hmm. be blind. I didn't have any good blind role models, which made things worse. I knew a few blind people that were not people that inspired me or that I could aspire to be like them. It was all bad on the blindness scene. And I, 
was super resistant to using a cane or any tools or technology. So at that point, I was still using nothing, uh, not even a, a CCTV. Wow. And super struggling, like laying on my bed with a book in my face so I could be close enough to read like two letters at a time. And so it took me hours mm. to do my homework. And, and um, <clears throat> when I was in college, I took a wrong turn. And while well, I memorized my way, I had somebody teach me my way to all my classes. And then I memorized the way. And one day they put up a construction zone. So I went around the construction zone and there were a, a few stairs that I fell down and I was fine. I wasn't injured from that, but I realized that I really needed to get some help and that I, I was just going to hurt myself and, you know, being in denial and hating being blind wasn't right. going to serve me. So I did decide to go to a living skills center and in California called the Orientation Center for the Blind. Right. And I remember vividly the day I got there, they gave me a cane and I didn't have any training, right? They had just given it to me, but there were other people there that were farther along their journey. And they, we went to BART and I was standing at a BART station, which is the rapid transit in, in California and San Francisco. And I had my cane there and this lady came up to me and she said, do you need to know what BART train this is? And I thought, lady, for 18 years, I've needed to know what bus it was, oh. what bar train it was, what train I'm at. And of course, I didn't share that with her, but I, that kind of changed my view, thinking like the cane. My main thing was that I thought I was going to look ugly and old if mm. I used the cane, even though I was seven, you know, 18 years old. And when she asked me that question, it made me realize that maybe this cane is my ticket to get help when I need it and have more information and have more ease in my life versus being ugly and old. Oh. So that's sort of the beginning where I went to the orientation center. And then the orientation center was absolutely life-changing. So they made us wear a blindfold and that's controversial these days, but yeah. it was such a gift. You know, I hated it then. It was it wasn't a gift in the moment to me, but yeah. <laughs> and I remember going on a mobility lesson, wearing this blindfold, and and running. I had a challenge. Like I ended up in a parking lot at a car wash, which I could hear, and then I sort of got back on track. And then I remember being nervous that I was going to fall off the curb for oh. some reason. This popped into my head. I remember <laughs> stopping and pulling off my blindfold, and the O and M instructor said, "What what's going on?" I said, like, I'm afraid, I'm afraid I'm going to step oh. off the curb. And he goes, your job is to walk. Mine is to worry. So you walk and I'll worry. And he was a very oh. stern guy like that. And I was like, okay. And that that's always stayed with me too, right? Now I have good blindness skills and I'm like, my job <laughs> is just to walk. So my higher power, somebody can take care of the worrying for me and I'm just going to walk. <laughs> and so, yeah, that was very life-changing at that, that living skill center. Oh, I... I love that. I think I'm going to use that as a mantra when I'm out and I start I start getting nervous, you know, because you're a guide dog user now as I am. And and even with a guide yeah. dog sometimes it's like especially like when the best driver lets you off at the a different stop uh, for whatever reason or or you're going to a new location. I love that like your job is to walk and somebody else's job is to worry. worry. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it, I do. I think of that all the time. And I think about that lady in the cane. And 
The other thing that happened at OCB is the initials for the Orientation Center for the Blind is that I had been um, kind of like, I would say, excluded for sports and things in school because they just didn't know what to do with me. So they right. always put me in these uh, sort of disabled PE classes and I just didn't fit, you know, play right. tennis against the wall by myself wasn't super suitable. Oh. But um, and so I, I had done gymnastics. I, I did always put myself out even, you know, best I could when I was in regular public school. But at OCB, they offered all these outdoor activities and activities of every kind. And it felt like, Ken, I was let out of a prison. I, oh. I felt like, oh, my God. And I signed up for everything, rock climbing, windsurfing, downhill skiing. And um, as a result of being at OCB and signing up for all these activities, I became a world-class downhill skier. And that that really added to my self-esteem because I always felt like sighted people could do things better than I could do mm-hmm. and uh, that it was kind of competition. So so the, all the sports and everything that I was introduced to there was also amazing. Uh, yes, exactly. And I, I, you know, have a similar story, you know, growing up, even though I have seven older brothers and I was a tomboy, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't go skiing. I wasn't, I live in Colorado. I didn't even go skiing until I was in college. And it was because of an adaptive program that offered the transportation, offered the training. And it did, like you said, you just felt like you were let out of prison. You know, it's like, oh my gosh, there's this whole world yeah, out there. I, I really yeah. And then when I met my husband, like he took me really for my first true hike and camping and, oh, and wow. bike riding and those kinds of things. Yeah. I didn't really do much of that, if any, when I before before college, because it the opportunity wasn't there. Gina, I, I, you know, I, I did, I've been, you know, I've kind of been stalking you over the last few years because we, we had lost <laughs> connections. Um, and um, I, I just, it popped up on LinkedIn. Of, well, I guess it was like a year or so ago, but that you, that Forbes, um, that you were one of the, um, did a story that you're one of the top women wealth advisors in the country. And how did you, how did you even get into that career? Because it's such a visual career. And like you were talking, like you were you were kind of new to this accepting your blindness um, as, you know, 17, 18 year old. So how did you how how did you decide to go into that career? So many amazing things have happened in my life, and just from sort of being outgoing and putting myself out there. And I, for sure, um, you know, I've listened to a lot of your podcasts, and there's so many people like me that are overachievers or are pretty accomplished, and that that's come with a lot of work. And I, I really want to mention that it's not all roses and lovely all the time, right? No. Being blind is difficult and yeah. challenging, and requires extra time and training and somehow I just have this attitude of you know always grateful and once I got on track from the sports at at the OCB I wasn't afraid to ask strangers questions and Mm. I also realized that people were going to tell me no they'd already told me no so much in my life about doing things but I didn't know enough for myself to say, no, no is not an acceptable answer. The answer cannot be no. The answer is going to be yes. And 
you may not give me a yes, and that's fine. I'll go on to the next person. And in the beginning, I would say I, I kind of overdid that because I, I mean, I just didn't know better, you know, and I felt like I was fighting for my life as a blind person. Yeah. Uh, but what happened, how I became a financial advisor would be a whole nother podcast, but basically <laughs> from the scene. Yeah. yeah. It, at this point, the point in my life, I was still very young and I had gone back to college and I had to have an unexpected eye operation and the professor gave me an incomplete and it really pissed me off. And I, I thought it was totally wrong. And I, I didn't have the advocacy skills to stand up for myself and say that's wrong or escalate or anything, you know, the tools I would use today. Right. And so I, I just said, I'm not going back to college. I, I just went and got a job as a word processor. And I continued to keep skiing and racing. And so then I, uh, I got second place out of five countries downhill skiing. And I got asked to be on a lot of TV shows and talk shows and one of the public speaking engagements I did was at a rotary club. And this random guy came up to me and said, you would be a great financial advisor. And I thought, I don't know anything about financial advising. And I hadn't taken statistics or economics or anything in college yet. Even I had stopped going to college at that point. So I knew I was great at math and I just said, well, that's a great idea. And he gave me his contact info. And so then after that, we had a conversation about what it involved. And I I just sought out people that I knew from a church that I went to at the time and, and connected. I just networked, even though I didn't know that was wow. the ticket to life as network. Right. I, I did network. <laughs> I had these, a couple guys give me a chance and they, they, they said they were going to train me and they didn't do what they said. So basically I went back to the original guy and said, you know, I'm working in the job. I, and I was just cold calling. So calling strangers, which again, I had right. no fear. It's the funniest thing. I, I have no problem calling strangers. And, um, <laughs> yeah, he connected me with another colleague of his that really kind of wanted a partner, wanted a junior partner and wanted to train somebody. And, and the guy trained me and he, he wow. worked with me and I checked in with him every week. And at that point I was using a CCTV and I was using like software at the time, there's not what there is now, you know, large print on the computer yeah. to, to do my job. And I had a guide dog and things like that and still struggle with the acceptance point. But this guy really took me under his wing and, and it was great. And from the very get go, he recorded my phone calls and reviewed like how I could say it better, or how I could do it better. And uh, that was pretty much got me on my path. Wow. And you, and you, where you are a huge success, you were a huge success at it. Um, you've won quite a, you know, quite a few accolades because oh, of yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, I like you said, I, I never kind of want to brag or anything because that's, you know, I'm it, it's okay. It's I, okay. Here you can brag. I want you to brag. Yeah, I mean, I'm very fortunate. I was in the top five percent of all women wage earners in the financial services, but more importantly just there's only two blind women financial advisors, me and one of my, uh, actually a friend of mine, Donna, and she works at Morgan Stanley. And it, it it's not an easy career as a, as a woman. There's only 17% women wow. in financial services overall in banks and brokerage firms. So wow. that alone is a challenge. And then to do it blind and then to be at the top of your class for years is, is an, is a big accomplishment. It's and, huge. You know, last how I did it in the beginning I was using 
CCTVs and things like that. And I just always worked hard. I worked many hours a day. I worked on the weekend. And at one point, I just kind of got lonely because there were mostly men in the industry mm. and they um, there weren't young women. So I asked the guy that I worked with, the one I mentioned named Dave, you know, if he knew any young women and he connected me to a woman at a different brokerage firm named Carla and, and we became business partners and we were business partners all the way until I, I did resign from Morgan Stanley in March of this year, but for 35 years. And it was amazing. Wow. She was the same age as me and, you know, young. And what we recognized was that she loved super analytical things. And I loved prospecting and cold calling and asking people to open accounts for us. And so together we made an amazing team right. and then, then it just kind of took off from there. So I did get to do mostly what I liked and what I was good at. And it wasn't just a vision thing. I mean, it wasn't accessible really to run a huge retirement plan analysis. And, but regardless, my time was better used prospecting, calling people and calling clients and building our business. And she was great at the analytical stuff and really enjoyed it. So we made a wonderful team for many years. Yeah. And I, one of the reasons I love your story, Gina, is because it's not like, well, when I was 13, I fell in love with math and I knew that that's what I wanted to do the rest of my life. And that's where the career went. You, you really sort of stumbled into this and it was because you were sharing your story and you were, you were, like you said, you were networking, even though at the time you didn't know that's what it was called. And that's what when people ask me about, well, how do you get into a career? How do you meet people? How do you, it, it, it is that you have to be willing to talk to people. You have to be willing to talk to strangers. <laughs> and that's what I always tell people. You just never know who you're going to meet, where you're going to meet them, when you're going to meet them. Um, be open um, and, and follow through. If somebody gives you their card or, or they say, you know what? give me a call. They Most of the time, they actually do mean it. So call them. Right. Know, absolutely. And like you said, I, I do call them and say that there's nothing going to happen right now. I put a reminder for myself. I call them two months later. I either send them a text and just say, hey, we're thinking of you. Here's what I'm up to. Um, so like you said, I really follow through. And it's interesting because people have asked me, like, How, where did that come from? I don't know, but part of it, I think, came from being sort of deprived. You know, I think when I went to OCB, I realized what I had been deprived of and that I really had to catch up. And I was also feeling like, oh, I have to race the clock because, well, I still have a little bit of vision. Mm -hmm. But the bottom line is I have never been afraid. And I really don't have regard for people. If they're the president of the company, like, I don't think they're any better than me. And yeah. I'll just call them up and say, Hey, like, I want to have lunch with Susie. Uh, I know she doesn't know me, but could you like give her a message? And, and, you know, and I don't give up if they say no, I like, and, and in that regard, I just consider everybody kind of an amazing contact and you just don't know where it's going to take you and, and, and just follow through and see what you learn and who you meet. Yeah. And I want people to know that, yeah, Gina poured, you know, it feels like every second of your day into your career, but but not entirely. You know, you're a mom and, you know, wife and you travel like you, you, 
found a way to carve out this incredible life outside of work as well. And I know you continue to ski. How did you balance that? Uh, that was very hard during work. But one thing is I waited till I was older to have children so I could uh, uh, have money to afford a nanny who, but the nanny was not, so I didn't have to take care of my kids. The nanny was so she could go to the store or she could cook if, you know, it was a weekday. So it did actually free up time for me to be with my kids. And I just did always carve out time. And I worked at crazy hours, like five in the morning, like both, both Carla and I would always start work at like five, five thirty in the morning. And that's a wonderful hour and a half that everybody's asleep in California and can catch up on a lot of things. And so I just made it a focus to try new things, always try new things. And it it was a struggle to balance. I I would say that did cause me stress trying to balance everything, but I also didn't, didn't want to miss out on those other things. And they are good opportunities to meet people that have similar interests and ultimately could become a client. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree on that one. So now, Gina, I know um, you did eventually lose your vision and your good, you know, I'm I'm doing air quotes, good eye, because a lot of us have right. a good eye and a bad eye. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. How, what, <laughs> um, even though our, quote, good eye is not good. But <laughs> um, yeah. so what, what happened to for you to lose your other eye? Well, my eyes kept getting worse. And if you're born with glaucoma, most medication and things don't work. It's different than if you get it when you're an elderly person. Mm-hmm. And I had so many operations and I love celebrations and holidays and stuff. So I was doing an Easter egg hunt for my kids and I'm the one that hid the eggs. I knew where the eggs were and we were in our backyard and I was too excited and I was not using proper blindness skills, which would be (laughs) that I would have my arms, you know, elbows to my sides, hands out in front of me to protect me. And my arms were open wide because I was gesturing like, Oh, there's a whole bunch of eggs over there. And, you know, it's pointing to over there. And I took a step and sadly there was an open wrought iron gate that had the, the, the little prong that you click into the lock and it was just a straight like an index finger and it popped my eye out like right on the spot and that was dreadful and you know I was sad that my kids had to see that and then then I had to kick into Gina blind woman of action uh mode and you know get to the hospital and and deal with all that so that did take away all my vision and what that that sucked, of course. Yeah. <laughs> and what's so funny is I, I I did have all my blindness skills from when I went to OCB. Even though I didn't use them all, I never forgot them. And they were yeah. always, always in my head. That's why I just love the blindfold idea, no matter how torturous it is in, <laughs> in the very beginning. Yeah. So I when as my vision would get worse, you know, I'd slow down for like three weeks and I'd call in a new blindness skill that I remember that I had, and then I'd employ that. So the very next day after my surgery, I worked from home because I I was able to work from home remotely way before COVID. Um, So if I didn't have client meetings, I pretty much worked at home. And I just got up and worked because because I knew how. And then really what I had to deal with was the sadness of that actual act, you know, accident happening. And I really, really had used my 
colors were the thing I could see best. And I yeah. miss that. I miss that to this. Oh, now I'm going to cry. Yeah. Oh, I miss, honey. I'm so... I miss yeah. Yeah. That is something I really miss. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I mean, and, you're in California, the sunsets, things like that. I know color. It's, yeah, you know, the ocean. I did have to have multiple operations because of that. So as a fluke, again, I, I definitely do not believe in blessings in disguise. That's not a thing I believe in. Yeah. Um, but as a result of that bad accident, and then they repaired it rapidly um, when it happened. So they didn't do like a great job doing what they could to, you know, help restore what was possible. So I had to have a second surgery, but a doctor I actually knew, and he did like put my iris back in place and he did a number of things. So now everything is totally green and that's a retina problem, right? Because my retina detached. And right. so, so everything's green, but I do know if the lights are on and I do know like if the shade is open, but it's, it's kind of funny. I mean, it's not really funny, but kind of <laughs> funny that if the lights are on and I think they're on, sometimes they are off, right? Or it gets dark and I don't realize the change. And, and I, I do find that humorous. I don't know why it's kind of sick humor, but um, so I, I do do see light a little bit and I'm so grateful for that. And I, I never stop, you know, being thankful that, that I can have light as an option. And that's, that's good. Yeah. And I, and I, I too, you know, I'm total in my right eye now. I, I ended up having to have that right eye removed. So there's nothing over there. Um, and, my, right. and my left eye, I still have some peripheral and I, I can't see, like I, people ask me if I can see color and it's like, they're not vivid. Like everything is sort of a mu muted color. Like I can maybe tell the contrast is different, but I can't tell like, oh, that's green or that's red. Like it could be red or brown. Like I just know it's different than maybe white. <laughs> um, right, exactly. I believe it or not, Ken, I have that same situation because they also put an oil bubble in my eye. So it distorts things. So sometimes in like perfect everything, I know there's red there. And I'd say 50% of the time there is red there. And the other, it, it you know, it's green. It's not even what I think it is, but <laughs> yeah. uh, it's a combination of that retina issue and the oil bubble distorting colors. And I mean, I just remember the conveniences of if I was looking for my coffee cup, I, you know, I always chose things that were bright. And even in my house today, everything is wonderfully tactile and interesting. It's It's been that way my whole life. Yeah. Really colors like my dining room table has black and white checks all over the top mm. like tiles of black and white checks big squares super beautiful if you like contrast yeah, and, I do. Um, so that you know really was made things easier to be able to see colors and that's that's why i say even though it's all shiny and i'm like you know again being a blind woman of action overachiever <laughs> being blind is really have real challenges and and it's hard and it, and it, and it can suck yeah. And I, and I love how you, s I, I have not been to your home, but uh, we came close the last time I was in San Francisco, but it just, I, yeah. it, it was a whirlwind of, of work yeah. thing. So um, maybe, maybe in the future, but is that when you don't have vision or you have some vision, it can still, you can still create a beautiful environment in your home your work area it doesn't have to be 
sterile, like even tactile. Tactile can be beautiful. You know, it doesn't have to. Oh, absolutely. Be- I mean, I think people should not lose sight of the fact that they can create an amazing world for themselves, one that they love and also looks beautiful to other people. And some examples of that would be every counter I have in my house, kitchen, bathroom, has really neat edging. You know, it's curved, like the edging is curved. And then the uh, fireplace yeah. has beautiful wood, like inlaid kind of roping. It's wood, but it feels like a rope all the way across. So if you yeah. touch it, awesome. um, and it also looks aesthetically beautiful. Uh, all the pillows on my couch have different kinds. Some have baubles, some have fringe, some are suede, some are furry. So my whole world to me is beautifully tactile. And it and it does look very beautiful to sighted people as well. So that's a fun thing people can like add to their life if, if it is kind of boring or not so interesting for themselves. Absolutely. And Gina, I I know you can't talk a lot about it, but I know you had a horrific accident um during actually during COVID, I think. It wasn't it wasn't very long ago. Um and it was yeah, it was right before. Right before. COVID. And um the reason and I I've I've talked about it because it it's an accident that really could happen to anybody, whether you're sighted or um or blind. But it really woke me up to uh, you know, we all have accidents. And the first thing that always pops into my mind when I fall or trip is, oh, I didn't see that. Or, oh, I was not careful enough. Or, um, but, but sometimes you just have accidents. You know, sighted people have, you know, more, more, um, sighted people get hit by cars than blind people, but like when a blind, oh, no. but when yeah. a but when a blind yeah. person gets yeah. hit by a car, oh, it's because they couldn't see. It, it's ne- right. it's never well. The sighted driver wasn't paying attention. It's usually well the right. No, it, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And um, and I it actually was during the October twenty twenty. Yeah, and you that really changed your world too. You know and. Um, yeah, that was what, like, like you said, I met so many people that sighted people that have had random accidents, just like breaking their ankle or their foot or their knee, just completely random. And so that was kind of refreshing again, in a super twisted way. Right. Um, yeah, not just (laughs) blind people, but yeah. And in, in, in that case, uh, that it was just an actual accident. Like I was going through a doorway and I was misjudged which door I was at, which could happen to anybody. And it was one of those fire doors where you have to like push it away from you really heavy. And so I had to let go of my dog's harness. And this is where people like try to pass blame. Well, you could have done a spin turn. It's like, that is ridiculous. First of all, I don't know what a spin turn is. Okay. (laughs) And what happened was then I took a step and it was a very old fashioned building. And so the landing was very small. The, the, the first step was at the door frame. So when I took the first step to let my dog pass to get in front of me again, to use her properly, I was already going down the stairs. So yeah, I was, and they were this old fashioned, horrible, like cement stairs with the metal edges. Uh. So my head hit every step and, and Ugh. yeah, that was horrifying. Uh. And I remember 
just like, I have got to go. I have a doctor's appointment. I have two meetings this afternoon. And like, where's my dog? And then she, of course, came to me. I thank God I let go of her leash or I would have killed her, broken her oh, neck or something. Yeah. Um, and I just carried on with my day, you know, and I went to the doctor and they're like, oh, how are you? I'm like, uh, not, not that great. You know, I just yeah. fell down the stairs and bashed my head and I think my arm's broken. Oh. And I just carried on, Finn, because I'm me. I know. And so I didn't even go to the doctor. I know. <laughs> for two days. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Gosh. But that yeah. that really has so. changed your life a lot. You know, you, because any, any of you who've, who've dealt with a concussion, it, it's not something like a cold where you take some medicine, get over it. Really, it impacts you for years, if, if not forever. Um, and Oh, yeah. And they say that. And I just couldn't believe it because that's just that yeah. is not my mindset, yeah. like to let anything stop me or slow me down or get in my way. And I remember and, and more so looking back um, in the beginning, I, I couldn't tell for like two weeks. And then I had this horrible pressure in my head in a weird way, like from the middle of my head out, not like a headache, a very strange thing that I knew right. something was really not right. And um, then the neurologist is like, you have to stop working I said, I, I can't stop working for like 20 days because it's going to take me more energy to finish up, to pass it on to somebody else. And I, I hate when I hear people say that, but it real life is that's true. It is true. For me to explain yeah. a project and give it to you. So then I said, I'll, I'll stop. And, and I did my best. And then I noticed I started not being able to remember my credit card numbers, mm. or if you told me a phone number, like I have this innate ability to memorize mass amounts of data. And that's another thing that helped me in my job. I just yeah. could remember everything sort of like photographic memory, but I don't know that that's what it would really be called. I just I can imagine these things in my mind. Yeah. And then I, I just couldn't, I just couldn't. Mm. And I had this huge sensitivity to all like jaws talking. My Apple watch oh, talking wow. made me physically extremely ill. And the whole thing was horrible. And I, I, I'm still dealing with a bunch of that stuff, but I'm much, 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 you know, better going in the right direction. And that is one reason why I left Morgan Stanley is the neurologist said, you are foolish to go work 10 hours a day and memorize all that stuff. That is just not a good setup for anybody, right. for a sighted person, for any human being, that is not a good thing to do. And so it, it took a long time for me to acquiesce and, re and resign from my job, but I did it. And so now I'm getting to travel and do lots of fun things and catch up on everything I was behind on my to-do list. I know you just came back from this incredible trip. <laughs> I was following you on social <laughs> yes. media. I'm so jealous. Um, Gina, because yeah. I do know that you travel quite a bit and you have travel plans coming up is, could you share like, what are some of your, what's some advice you could give us for somebody who is blind, that's that's going to be traveling, especially internationally. Do you have any tricks that you follow or or advice that you could give on that? Um, I have a few, and some of them are basic. But one is I have um, in, uh, these little handles. They're they're like handle grips, so they're pink and orange. They're bright colors, and I put it on my backpack and my suitcase so that when it goes up in the overhead. Then I can feel it myself. But oh. if some nice person says, oh, would you like me to grab your luggage? Um, I can say, yes, it has the bright pink handle on it. And that oh. is super easy. Great idea. Yeah. So that's one. The other thing is, and my, uh, my husband always makes fun of me. Truly, he makes fun of me. It's <laughs> hilarious. So I, I developed this system like five years ago. 
that when I get on a plane, I say to the first uh, flight attendant I see, I say, hi, my name is Gina. And when you're talking to me, like asking me for if I'd like a drink, please call me by my name because there's three people in the row and I don't always know who you're speaking with. And that has been amazing. And they'll say, oh, hey, my name is Maureen. And I will do that. And so then when they talk to me, everybody thinks I'm special, which I'm not really right. They're they're like, oh, why do they know her name? (laughs) Anyway, it it makes for an amazing experience. And I get lots of assistance if I need it. And I don't mostly need it, but it just also, I don't, I feel stressed when they're talking to the air and you don't know if they're talking to the two people sitting next to you or you. And so it really eliminates a lot of my stress. So that's another tip. That is a great idea because I, I, you know, I fly or I used to before COVID, I flew a lot on my own and and it's true. Like they'll say, would you like a drink? And then what happens always is a stranger then touches you because they're trying, Hey, they're talking right. to you. Do you want a drink? And that's, yeah. And I, I love that idea, you know? Yeah. Um, the other thing is that we do challenge ourselves a lot. So Mike, as you know, is visually impaired yeah. too. And on our third date, we went to London. So that was super wow. fun. And uh, he challenged me. He said, meet me at SFO and don't ask any airport staff for assistance. You can ask other humans, but you cannot ask airport staff if you take my challenge. So I did. And it was so fun. And I had the hugest sense of accomplishment. And of course, there's absolutely nothing wrong for, you know, asking for airport assistance. But there is also this sense of excitement and getting different people to assist you. So so that was fun. And and that pretty much got me over my fear. And uh, sometimes I ask for assistance at an airport. Sometimes I don't. It depends on my timing or what other things I need to get done. Um, So to, to just you know, don't be afraid. And that's one of my Gina's gems. Like you can't be afraid, but I know that sounds like goofy. And I just, it's true. you know, it'll be a fun experience at the airport. And, and I do that. And then when we travel, we usually look up, you know, activities in the area and we for sure make sure we go to, we use the GPS, you know, in that area and we go to local restaurants and coffee shops. And inevitably we meet again, random strangers, which become our friends that are locals and they tell us cool things or they hook us up with people that might be willing to take us on a tour of the shops in the area. And that's what we did in Chile. We went to six different cities and in some, we arranged a tour like day one. And then we met the tour guide. And through that tour, we learned a lot about the area and things we'd be interested in doing on other days. And we did meet just absolutely regular people that it wasn't their job to be a tour guide. And we would say, oh, do you want to meet up tomorrow at 11 and go shopping and tell us the different stores? And we met so many nice people. And that's how we do it. So a combo of arranging already, you know, set up type of people in the tourism industry, as well as just meeting regular people in our in our visit. Yeah. And that that really comes back to what we talked about earlier, Um, because when when I travel, I do that, too. Like, I love I'm one of those annoying people sitting next to you that wants to know your story. Um, And I have met some of the most incredible people that I'm actually still friends with um, or I find out about. You know, they're the owner of a resort in, you know, in Costa Rica or, you know, they have a friend or family member that is living where the next place I'm going to be. Like, you just don't know. 
who's going to be your next best friend or connection or network or job yes, opportunity exactly. or whatever it is. Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. Well, speaking of exciting travel, Gina, I know you are, you need to leave here in just a few minutes to catch a plane uh, to to head to a, an amazing concert and, and a friend of, of yours and Mike, Stevie Wonder. And I have a question. So a fun story about that is um, the answer to your question is a song called As, which is Stevie Wonder's mom's favorite song. And she passed away badly. Um, But Mike actually had Stevie do the the proposal to me Uh, to get married. Right. That's right. Now I remember. Yeah. That was so exciting. And Mike had invited my daughter, Serena, to go. And we went to Southern California and we had such a fun day. Um, and it was a little different because Serena was like, Hey mom, do you want to go get a a makeover? I was like, sure. That sounds good. And then (laughs) I said, you know, I don't really like my dress that much. So see if you see another dress while I'm getting my makeover. So Serena found this super cute red, like strapless dress with a big bow. I'm super into Mickey and Minnie and big bows. Um, (laughs) So then we go to the concert and I remember that Serena and Mike were texting on their phones. And I was thinking, that is so rude. That is the weirdest <laughs> thing. Why are these two texting? You know, as mom and, you know, girlfriend at the time, yeah. not really my place to tell them to stop texting. So then in the middle of the concert, Stevie says, okay, I want to dedicate this next song to my good friend, Mike May, and his girlfriend, Gina, who's going to become his fiance tonight. And then he Oh played, my gosh. Um, yeah, it was amazing. And Serena was all involved. And then oh. he played this song as, and Herbie Hancock was also there. So, and as oh. is kind of a long Stevie Wonder song, but super beautiful. Um, and that yeah. was really special. I mean, it just still warms my heart. And I, um, yeah, I really, oh. that was very special. And Mike always teases that he set the bar really high for other people. Oh my gosh, I, I know that. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I think that wouldn't be hard to be. Yeah, he, I mean, Stevie Wonder is, <laughs> I mean, uh, well, not just, I mean, everybody loves Stevie Wonder, but as a blind child yeah. and, and teenager yeah. and his music and, and, and his. He's such a nice guy. Yeah. And he's just a generally very peaceful, sweet mm. um just a really nice guy with really nice energy and not like crazy gregarious, you know, right. I, I'd say he's actually kind of an introvert, not for me to judge him, but yeah. um, just very grounded and, and sweet and kind. And and so that always sticks with me because we get to hang out with him a lot too. We don't just go to the concert. Right. So just right. being around him and there's times where he'll sit before the concert and just sit like, you know, I don't know if he's meditating or what he's doing. He's just sitting and yeah. I'm sure, you know, collecting himself. Yeah, my, well, I mean, I love all life. of his songs. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, I, I think so that's, I mean, all of us do. Yeah. All of us do that when we're, we're going to work. Yeah. My, one of my favorite songs of his, I mean, I have so many, but is you are the sunshine of my life. Um, oh, yeah. even now, like I'll, I'll play that just in the background, just to kind of put me in the right frame of mind um and also no matter how blue i am sometimes it just yeah it just picks me up so um so you can tell stevie 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 i said hello um so gina what's next for you i know you've got some big plans coming up um in february oh yes um one thing is i decided um 
that I might want to go back to school since I never finished or something like that. And so in deciding that, I was able to become a client of the Department of Rehab in California. And I wanted to improve my skills. So for the stuff I'm interested in, um, you need a lot of math. And I love math, but I don't know Braille, like Nimeth code. And my Braille, I know Braille like 95%. Again, I learned it really well when I was 18 and at OCB. But during my life, I don't have lots of opportunities to use it. In my job, most things weren't produced in Braille. Right. And I <clears throat> and I was out of you know out of time each day to really practice. So I wanted to go to another living skills center since it had such a profound effect on my life in the in the beginning. So I'm going to come to the Colorado Center for the Blind, right outside of Denver. And with my main goal is to like have Braille immersion, like you would if it was a foreign language, and yeah. practice. Um, hone up on my orientation and mobility skills, which is, you know, the act of learning how to use a cane. And I do know how to use a cane yeah. quite well, but I thought you know, maybe something's changed or maybe it'll, I, I kind of lost a little of my confidence falling down those stairs. Yeah. Uh, and I prefer using my dog, but I always, I know for sure uh, that it's important to have really good cane skills. And I just want to brush up yeah. on that. And they also have a household repairs class. Like I just love everything. Then, so I'm going to take that and they have art. And so I'm very yeah. excited <laughs> to go there. Yeah. And I'm excited and, because then we can reconnect yeah. in person. Um, and we'll have I know some... I'm looking forward to us going skiing. That's going to be yeah, great. Um, maybe we can get away from it. The other thing I've been for... doing, which is fun, is I've been producing like TikToks and Instagrams under the, the name Gina, Blind Woman of Action with the goal of educating people and really little snippets because mm -hmm. people ask, you know, a lot of things of blind people, like how do you find your shampoo or how do you find the dishwasher? Absolutely. And, uh, a lot of things like that, that requires us to educate people, which I have about 80% patients to do that. Mostly. <laughs> um, and, and so wait, wait, that so, slow, been, slow down. Yeah. Where can we find okay. those? Let's say it, say it one more time. Where can we find those? Oh, so my videos that I've been posting, you can find them on Instagram and TikTok and Facebook under Gina, which is spelled G-E-N-A. So Gina, blind woman of action. And they're all little snippets on how we as blind people do things. And I definitely sometimes post what isn't great about being blind because I, I do think that's important right. and that's more real than all the shiny stuff on social media. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I love to, you know, that you're a, you know, you, you're a mentor for so many, but I do really appreciate that you sharing that even if you've been blind your whole life, um, it's good to go back and, and go back to the basics because also training has changed there there's new ways of doing right. it technology's changed and and i don't care what field you're in um of study or your career you it's always good to get those refresher courses but again i'm I, you That's know how I feel. i'm being selfish because i i'm going to love having you in colorado so <laughs> well gina i know you got to go but i always give my you know i've been asking you question after question i always give my my guest an opportunity to ask me a question do you have a question for penn street what is your favorite hobby? My absolute favorite hobby is downhill skiing. 
Um, in the winter, obviously. Um, I, if I could do it year round, I would. I love the freedom that skiing gives me. Um, I wear a headset with my guide. So there's nothing like I, I get to go down the hill just like everybody else. You know, I, I do, I'm not using a guide dog. I'm not using a cane. And, and yes, I do wear the bib that says blind skier on yeah. it. But That's as long as, yeah, yeah, yeah. As long as I have a good guide, which my husband Moses is my guide most of the time, um, it it's such a freedom. And my favorite thing is when we hit the lip of a new, you know, the, the next hill, it the next yeah. run, and there's my husband or my guide will say, Penn, there's nobody. Nobody's out there. Nobody's behind us. Just go. And that, they allow me to free ski and like, yes they'll tell me okay hold it to the left left because you're getting too close to the trees or something but right. it it's so rare and you know and, and anybody who's blind or visually impaired knows this it's so rare for us to just be free like that and let go and i i totally just, agree um i know yeah, we're trying to wrap yeah. it up but i i had yeah. this realization in the last couple of years about that for me, and I think it would be similar for other blind people, but you know, the whole like flight or fight type yeah. of thing is that a lot of times we don't know what's happening next. And even though we're comfortable and we do know how to use our canes, you just never know if the next step going to be a construction zone. It doesn't mean we have to fall down the stairs or fall in a hole, yeah. but we have to be prepared every minute for the unexpected. And Sighted people, they just don't have to go through that. Right. I think it adds a degree of stress and anxiety to our life, even if you have the best of skills. Yeah. And that's, you know, I work on when I'm in really safe environments, just tell my safe, myself. So to say to myself, like, you're really safe right now. You can just breathe comfortably and know and know you're safe and also be free, like you're talking about in the scheme, to have a sense of freedom that we don't yeah. normally have. Yeah, because even with like swimming, and I'm not a great swimmer, but even swimming, I, I don't like I would never go out like into the ocean, <laughs> just start swimming. Yeah. Um, I, I yeah. there's just nothing like skiing for me where it's that freedom. And I have a, a really good friend and she actually might be skiing with you when you come out to Colorado up at Eldora. Uh, Mindy. Hello, Mindy. She's, you know, Hi, being, <laughs> she's being trained on on how to do to guide people who are blind skiing. And last weekend, they they had them they had to close their eyes and ski without their vision. And that you know they had a guide guiding them. Um, and Mindy, and and she's known me for a number of years. She's even skied with me, but she was so overwhelmed <laughs> with. With oh, yeah. the experience, it actually made her nauseous. And I said, yeah, how many times have I gotten nauseous skiing? Um, and you told me just to suck it up. <laughs> but but right, she, exactly. it was such, yeah, but it was such a good experience for her that she's like, I, I get it now. Like, I actually get it, to, you know, as much as you can in a day. But, right. but she... Yeah she is loving to learn and, and it really is opening up all these doors for her. Um, Cause like you said, sighted people just don't get it of how 
Even the simplest of tasks takes up more of our brain. I mean, there's been studies that show blind people use more of their brain than people who are sighted because we have to. And luckily, we have those kinds of brains that that have that. But I wish there were more opportunities for sighted people to kind of step into our shoes every once in a while. Um, I do think that just in general. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, well, Gina, what what would be the takeaway you'd want people to walk away with today after hearing this? Well, I know you have a wide audience. I I think it's really that you have to put yourself out there, even if you're uncomfortable. You you don't really have an option if you want to have a full, amazing life. And if you don't, then then you are not going to make the most of your life. And that if people tell you no, don't. Don't believe them. Yeah. You know, keep at it, persistent, ask somebody else and, and dream big and just don't let the blindness get in your way. And, and it and it will slow you down and it will be challenging, but the rewards, they're worth it. Uh, that's really what my bottom line is. The rewards are worth all that it takes to be an independent blind person with an amazing full life. That's right. That's right. Well, thank you. Those are beautiful, beautiful words. And again, Gina, thank you so much for taking time. Oh, yeah, this was great. I'm so, so happy we yeah. got to make this happen. Yeah, me too. And we'll see each other in February, March after you get settled um, in, yes, Colorado, in Colorado. So I also... Yeah. Um, you know, please say hi to Mike for me. And I'm joking about Stevie Wonder, but please, please tell Mike. Oh, yeah, don't hello. worry. I'll say hi to Stevie yeah. and tell Moses hi. And oh. I hope you have a wonderful day. Hi, holiday. Yes, with the holiday coming up. Um, I also want to thank everybody at Audio Information Network of Colorado for making Aftersight possible. I get to do the fun part. You know, I get to talk to people like Gina, but they really, really do the hard work out there. Um, they, You know, they get to do the stuff that's not quite as fun. Um, and I, I do want to wish all of you a holiday season that is filled, you know, with light and with joy or however you're going to celebrate um, the, the end of the year and the beginning of the new year. And remember to be kind to yourself and find a way to find find a way to be kind to somebody else because it, it is truly good for your soul. So I will see you next week. Gina, go catch your flight. And, and have yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Gina. Bye bye.